Hi folks, a feature of the Voices for Community Politics phenomenon since Voices for Indi pioneered it in 2013 is its particularity. Concepts and values are the, are the common thread, but because each group emerges from local community and depends on it for purpose and growth, its process and positioning and purpose are different in, different in each seat. No fibs began reporting McKellar when Alice Thompson stood as the Independent State candidate in 2019. We interviewed Sophie Scomps when McKellar Rising was searching for a candidate and Sophie's wingwoman Louise Hislop mid-campaign and published pieces by Voices of McKellar co-founder turned Sophie volunteer coordinator Leonie Scarlett and several Sophie volunteer campaign volunteers. Today I'm excited to chat with Voices of McKellar President Sheila Hogan and co-founder Marie Nutt, now Treasurer and Secretary. What did it do before and during Sophie's campaign and what is its mission now that Sophie Scomps is McKellar's MP? So, hello, Sheila and Marie. Um, Sheila, you are the president um, in a a post-Independence Day MP world. Can you start by telling me a bit about your background, how you connected with Voices for McKellar and why you stayed and became president? Hi, Margot. Thanks for having Hi. us. Um, loaded question. So <laughs> my background my background is, well, I'm an American living here in Australia. I'm a, an Australian citizen. Moved here with my family, Australian husband and three children, back in 2010. So I've been here almost um, 12 years. And how did I get involved in Voices of McKellar? I was... Listen, I was invited. I'm part of a swim group, as so many people became when COVID (laughs) hit. (laughs) It's a common theme. We all actually fell back in love with our communities, and we became quite um, reconnected, which is interesting. So um, a very dear friend and her husband were hosting a kitchen table conversation um, as independently affiliated with it, with Voices of McKellar, and invited me. And I said, well, you know... I'm not sure I belong there because, one, I'm not as really well-versed in Australian politics as I should be. And, two, um, I probably couldn't add much value. And she said, no, you should definitely be there. And that's exactly what we're doing is it has no affiliation or supporting any one party or candidate. Um, It's just literally what it's called. It's a kitchen table conversation about what you – love about your community and what concerns you might have and just opening the discussion and getting a better idea of what the electrics in McKellar care about. So I came along and I showed up and there was at least about 50 people in the house, which was Big house. Yeah, big house, big house. (laughs) Well, you know, it was probably a year into these kitchen table conversations being hosted. So the popularity and and the safety of the structure Mm. of what they were became pretty well known. So people were willing to come and have a chat. So it was great. It was it lived up to its promises. There was no real political conversation. It was much more of a standardized structure of 10 questions that was asked at every single kitchen table conversation and really just engaging people in in conversation about different topics that they care about or concerned about or issues that they think need to be addressed. So it was fantastic. I thought it was so fantastic that with my background in business and marketing, I've owned and run a few companies in America, Australia, and um, the U.K., when I was talking to Leonie at the time, who was the president, um, she was just talking about how 
this is a great reach, but we'd like to reach more. You know, we want to get as much representation of the electric to be involved in this as possible. And I said, well, I can probably lend a hand with regards to some marketing strategies and some business strategies to have, you know, as much impact as you can with a volunteer organization, limited funds, limited, limited time. So, you know, didn't have to ask me twice. <laughs> um, so that was in 2021, uh, mid-year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when... Come December of that year when it was obviously it's an election year and they were looking and they had nominated their candidate, um, the independents. Leone at that time did decide to, to pursue another path. So, so really looking inwards. A, so she moved across at that stage to be Sophie's volunteer coordinator. And at that, that time, she didn't know what she was going to do. She went on oh, right. a very, she very, she went on a very long holiday with her family. Uh, mm. Somehow got overseas, out of the country at a time when there was the world was just opening up, and really, I think had time to reflect. And when she came back, it you know, we weren't sure even what role she played, but she did decide to yeah. to pursue that path. Yeah. So. Um, Marie, you were a co-founder with Leone and Rebecca, what's Rebecca's last name? Rebecca Clark. Rebecca Clark. Um, so you, you, you got together around the kitchen table and said, we're going we're gonna to form this thing. T- tell me how that came about and how you um, pulled together your particular KTC process for, for the, the voters of McKellar. Sure. Thanks, Margot. And it's great to have this opportunity to go through all of this with you. So I literally bumped into Leone, as a matter of fact, at a community forum that our former MP, Jason Flinsky, was holding. So we bumped into each other. We had a chat and she was very eager to talk to me about the process of community consultation that they'd gone through in Indi, Mm -hmm. which I had not been aware of, um, although I knew that they had managed to secure an independent. So I was interested in this process of community consultation and engagement with the community in the democratic process, because my background is grassroots advocacy. I've I've done a lot of that as a volunteer, even though I was a physiotherapist at the time. Uh, So I spent 20 or 30 years in the space of of grassroots advocacy with the international development community. So global poverty, uh, global health and child mortality. So I was, I've, I've always been a strong believer in the power of the individual's voice and building a relationship with our elected representatives. So when Leone started to talk to me about this, I thought this is actually something that is really important because many people in the community, I feel, uh, feel disconnected with that process. They can become quite frustrated with the political situation, but are not always sure about how to go about engaging with it. So I saw the kitchen table conversations as a really good first step to getting people talking. So Leone brought a group of women together 
on her balcony one sunny afternoon and we sat around and talked about whether we wanted to start Voices of McKellar and what that might look like and what the purpose of it was. And so we went through the normal processes of setting up an association and making sure that we did everything the right way. And then it was to go and look at this kitchen table conversation process in more detail and looking at the kind of questions that had been asked in other places, like for example in Indi or in Warringa, and looking at those questions and we literally sat down and discussed whether we wanted the same questions, different questions, slightly modified versions, and we finally landed on 10 simple questions, not an easy mm-hmm. process to go through, and there we had the start of the kitchen table conversation process, which we then started inviting friends, family, networks, and then into the broader community to engage with. And it was really fascinating to sort of see people's response. And when they sat down in these conversations, how enthused and engaged they were in those conversations with each other. Um, One of the the volunteers wrote a uh, her story was about she was in a swim club <laughs> and um, uh, with a particular coloured cap and they all changed their caps to Sophie caps and they all um, sort of somehow their, their, their regular um, community connections came together and remember you telling me a story about um, Flan Cleary who wrote a, a very detailed set of emails to his Irish friends about volunteer for, volunteering for Sophie and he actually got involved in, in a kitchen table conversation at, at, at a gardening club he and you were in. Is that, is that right? Is that, is that how it, it, it sort of, it, it's an osmotic sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, so Flan and I are members of Newport Community Garden yeah. and as, as was the case, if people were involved in sort of different groups around the community, they were already made sort of forums to run the the consultation. So we held a a kitchen table or a garden table conversation at the the community garden one Saturday morning. And I was, you know, again, amazed and surprised pleasantly at just the level of engagement with, Mm. with the questions. And what also interested me was... Since that conversation, the number of times people every Saturday morning would come up to me and say, okay, so what's the latest? Tell me about the election. Who's Mm. standing as candidates? Who is this Sophie Scomps person? Uh, But I had actually no idea that Flan was so involved with her campaign. So he kept that on the down low with me. Um, But, uh, yes, it, it just awakened people's sense of what was important to them when we asked them questions you know you know what are issues that concern you and they started talking about that you could kind of see a little light bulb go on in people's minds and go this is actually important to me so what am I prepared to do about it was probably the next next um, phase in that conversation they were having with themselves. So what I gather is that Voices for McKellar was very clear from early on they wanted to be a non-partisan group that it was a 
bringing the voices together and um, getting people engaged in their democracy and liaising with the sitting member to see what can be done to meet meet concerns. So this is, it, it seems to be a common issue in voices groups that a lot of people want the community engagement and to, and to do a report, etc. But some people wanted to find a candidate. Um, so, what? How, how did Voices for McKellar um, approach resolving that tension? What? 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 What happened? So, uh, in the beginning, it, it was it, there was a lot of discussion around it, and and. Uh, I was always very much of the opinion that Voices of McKellar had a role to play with the community, listening to them and helping them engage, irrespective of who the member for McKellar was. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that with integrity, it really meant that the organisation couldn't be backing any one candidate because then you would disenfranchise a whole lot of people in the community who may think different politically and so it was always very important to me and some others in the the founding committee that we maintain that integrity around neutrality and non-partisanship and we wanted to have engagement with our current MP but to do that whilst at the same time backing one other candidate mm. would not be tenable. So it was very much an important thing. So uh, at that point in time, people on the committee who felt differently knew that they had to go and pursue their own path. And that's what they did. And we wished them well. And then we came came in with new committee members who were very much um, on board with that non-partisan role and and away we went. So um, I think uh, Sophie and a couple of others, I'm not sure if Leonie at that stage, but um, uh, separated off and formed McKellar Rising and, and to try and find a candidate. And of course, this happens everywhere. A, a lot of the, the people who joined Voices of McKellar wanted to volunteer, so they, they could, but so... My understanding is there was a, some difficulties in, in that process because Jason Falensky said, oh, you're just a front and refused to talk to you. And there was, it, took a, it took a while for it to, to settle down and him to see, see the difference. So, uh, look, we had, some very, um, we had some very productive meetings. Thanks, Sheila. We had some very productive <laughs> meetings with Jason. Mm-hmm. If you stand back and step into... You mean after we called you a, a Labor, Labor get up front? <laughs> we always maintained <laughs> our, our, our politeness and our professionalism. Yes. And we, I always say, if you're having um, some challenges, step in the other person's shoes. So if you step into Jason Falinski's shoes at the time, it was a fact that there were members of our founding committee who went off into um, a path to look for an independent. So uh, I think it, it took us a while to, 
to display to him and to the broader community that we were actually neutral, we never mm. supported any one candidate and we were always very polite and very respectful to our current member. And so, you know, I, I think that, that that's probably a conversation you might want to have with, with Jason Felinski, but from our perspective, you know, we always felt that we were acting with integrity as Voices of McKellar um, from the word go and yeah, I, um, we just continue to maintain that, that line. So you, you put out a, a, a comprehensive um, uh, report on your findings. I think the, the, the top three were, were uh, climate, integrity and health, I think. I think health was a, 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 quite a big one in, in McKellar. Um, so how did you act? What, what did you see your, your role um, during the election campaign? How did, how did you place yourself as far as informing and, and um, uh, uh, what would you call it, um, engaging uh, the electorate in, in the campaign? Sheila, I'm going to let you answer this one, but I'll just to clarify for for um, Margot and the listeners. So the top three uh, issues of concern were climate change action, accountability and transparency, and the environment. Right. So they were the top three. In regards to you know what our role was and what we aimed to do and lead up to the election, I think you know coming from a business background, I always say. What does success look like? What does success look like for Voices of McKellar? And for us, our goal was to ensure that as many people as possible showed up to vote on the day and voted for a candidate not only that they knew about, but understood why they were voting for them. So it's Mm -hmm. not only the who, but the why. It wasn't because my parents had always voted that way. It was not, I have to, I've just got to pick a box because it's, it's compulsory. So... For us, the goal was to make sure that we allowed for, one, the candidates that were running to understand what the voices of McKellar and the electorates in McKellar were most passionate about, most concerned about the issues that they wanted to hear about. And that's where the McKellar Matters report came in. It was an artifact um, basically published as a result of all those KTCs and all of those voices weighing in and sharing. Um, It was an artifact that was able to be shared at town halls and events and with the candidates that were running to for themselves to be informed about what was important and to respond and to speak to their position on those. So that was a key, very big piece of our, our remit was to make sure that we collected as many responses and they were published in that report in lead up to the election and any discussions with candidates. So that was number one. And number two is, you know, we didn't see anywhere one single place that you could find out about all the candidates that were running. So we published a candidate bulletin board. So it was a single source of truth for people, whether they were you know, involved with Voices of McKellar or not, there was definitely this place on our website that anybody and everyone could go and find out about all the candidates and understand where they sat on certain issues or topics and find as close as possible who they 
would be aligned with and came very informed and educated on voting day. Sheila, so that did, was what our remit yeah. was. We thought that was what our job was in the lead up to the election. Did you have a did you hold a candidates forum? We co-hosted one. Yes, yes. we did. And it was a huge success. I'll hand back over to Marie on that because she was pretty strategic in in formulating that co-host role and and relationship with a lot, a tremendous amount of attention maintaining our nonpartisan role in that that event. Uh, Yes, so as Sheila said, we we co-hosted a candidate forum. Uh, which uh, we where we partnered with Northern Beaches Climate Action Network, yep. and w- one of the reasons that we were keen to co-host it was to help broaden the issues that were covered in that candidate forum, um, more than specifically on climate change action. So uh, we had uh, 200, 250 people attend. The event at DYRSL, it was moderated by the Gee, amazing... Gee, that's a big Wendy... roll-up. Yeah, yeah, it was a big roll-up, moderated by the amazing Wendy Frew and and mm-hmm. the candidates, so uh, every candidate was invited. Um, the only candidates who did not attend were Jason Falinski, the sitting member, and the candidate for uh, Pauline Hansen's One Nation Party. So, uh, but all of the candidates that did attend were asked a range of questions over the course of more than an hour, and you know we we felt that we had um, done our duty, so to speak, in helping people who were there, and it was also live streamed through uh, Facebook, give them an opportunity to hear directly from the candidates in terms of their mm. response to a range of issues. Oh, gee, that's that's a great idea, live streaming. Did you get much of a, uh, a virtual audience as well? Oh, look, to be honest, I can't remember uh, that part of it. I was running around a little bit <laughs> madly. That's <laughs> no, a great idea. Yeah, yes. It, it, and it was also a time when, you know, we were coming out of COVID. Yeah. So there was still yeah. a lot of sensitivity around being in a room. So while, you know, filling the room was a, a huge success and we were thrilled to see those many people showing up on the night, the fact that we were able to live stream it did allow for those that were either unavailable or just didn't feel comfortable being in that room. Yeah. So it yeah. was it was the best of both worlds. Yes. It really was. So... I, I remember uh, McKellar was was very much under the radar, and um, and and Sophie just stormed home. So I, I know you can't welcome it or, or anything, but here you are now, voices for McKellar, with an MP for McKellar who is, um, what would you call it, uh, blatantly, proudly <laughs> pro community, pro community consultation. Um, h- how do you see your um, your role now that you know you there you are you're a community group looking after and and promoting what what the community's common ground is um she's obviously sophie's obviously got her own networks etc how how do you think that'll interplay um uh, now that uh, now that she's elected so you know we we didn't know who was going to win until on the day like everyone else. Yeah. We had to really plan what our role was post-election before we knew the outcome. So 
our our planning was who are we? Who are we post election? Regardless, as, as Marie said, whoever is sitting in that position and in, 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 who's a sitting representative is our. That's our partner in this yeah. because we are building that two-way conversation always and forever. So before we even knew the outcome, we really needed to come together as a group and say, okay, what does success look like now post-election? And we really we came together and decided that our three pillars will maintain, um, would continue as a role to educate and build awareness for our community, for democracy. So the job is never done. <laughs> to continue to engage people in their own level of democracy and participation. So that was, you know, pillar number one. The number two was inclusivity and community because we have to remember while she, while Sophie is absolutely the successful candidate um, from the election, there were many, many people that did not vote for her on the day. Mm-hmm. And we're incredibly sensitive to that. So our yes. role is to continue to be constantly inclusive and creating a sense of one community um, in spite of what beliefs or feelings are before, during, and after the election, because we are still all living together here in McKellar. And um, so that whole inclusivity inclusivity and participatory community was our goal, is our goal. And number three is the accountability and consultation, again, continues. Continuing that consultation of the electorates and holding our sitting representative accountable to any promises he or she made going into this and accountable to the needs, issues, and expressed concerns of the community, especially those that were, you know, clearly published in our report. So those really were the three pillars that we were going into, regardless of who was sitting in that seat. And we're thrilled on this side of it to have already had a number of discussions and one meeting with with Sophie's team um, to really talk about how we continue that relationship and make and continue to have um, information going to them and have her available to her her electorates. So I hope that answers your question. But yeah, we had to decide before the outcome of the election, regardless. So that's, well, that's why I- we came together. I was interested in um, – I follow you by, by Twitter, so <laughs> I hope your Twitter keeps going um, – that, that you had a, a, a virtual forum on the um, uh, the parliamentary committee into the, what happened in the election and recommendations for for change. Did you get much interest in that? And, and what's – it sounds like that's – you see that as an ongoing role to sort of really in, encourage and – let people know that they can directly speak to the parliament on, on these issues. How, how, why did you do that and, and how, how, how is that working? Um, so the reason that, that we decided to move ahead with this webinar on the inquiry into the recent federal election was largely because a number of the terms of reference for that inquiry were around the political donation process Mm -hmm. and the transparency and the unlimited ability for donations to be made to political parties or candidates. And we decided to do something on this based on the findings of the McKellar Matter Report because the number two issue was transparency and accountability, but particularly linked to political lobbyists. Yes. So it was obviously um, 
of high concern to our community. And we thought, well, here's an opportunity to, again, talk to people about this issue because we had done a webinar um, last year informing people about the issue. But here was an opportunity to remind them about this issue as well as give them an opportunity to take action. So, as I said before, you know, many people are frustrated by situations like this and they know there needs to be change, but actually taking actions themselves is not always considered. And, you know, I've this parliamentary inquiry before I sort of randomly, literally came across it um, uh, one day. And so many people wouldn't be aware that these inquiries go on all the time and public submissions are welcomed and encouraged. So we put on the webinar with Craig Rucastle and uh, Saffron Zoma from the Australian Democracy Network to give people the opportunity to re-engage with the issue and give them their own submissions. So we had 200 people register for that webinar. We had about half of those people turn up on the night. Many of them who didn't show up probably knew that there would be a recording made available to them. And I know that the Australian Democracy Network have been blown away by the number of public submissions that they've received through a portal that they set up mm. to the inquiry. So this is you know, brilliant example of people engaging with their democracy. So it was pretty exciting for us it, to be able to do that. It's participatory democracy, isn't yes. it? It's, it's yeah. saying it's not just about your vote, it's about it's it's about who you are. Affecting and, change. Well, yeah. We always say, you know, be part of the change that you'd like to see and, you know, making sure people don't, don't miss the opportunity when it's presented like this, invitations from the government, well, invitations from submissions, for submissions from the public is, mm. you know, hello. You know, when mm. when you have that, you want to make sure people know far and wide that when you have an issue or concern, especially because it was so directly related to the issues mm. that kept coming up in all the kitchen table conversations, it was this is the time to have your voices heard and counted. And we're not going to miss that opportunity. And, you know, even I said on the night, when I was rushing out of my office to go and, and um, you know, co-host the event with Marie, it was, oh, where are you going? And I said, I've got, there's a federal election inquiry and we're doing this event. And they said, in which country? <laughs> I mean, these are my colleagues. These are, I have a solicitor on one side and I have a very large, you know, commercial builder on the other. And they had no idea it was happening. They literally said, you know, they thought it might be in America. Um, so <laughs> that just tells you how, you know, little awareness and not by any fault of anyone, but there is not a big, um, there's not a lot of channels that talk about this from a perspective of what's exciting and what what's available to you, um, mm. so when we get that chance, we do we do want to make sure that we 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 leverage every opportunity to engage people in that. So yeah, it's an opportunity to be part of the change that you want to see instead of just talking about it. So um, you know, I suppose if there's a year or eighteen months to, to go for the next election. Are you planning to? Um, have another series of kitchen tables and sort of see what the 
the current concerns and issues are and feed that back to Sophie and other candidates? Is it a it seems to me that you, you basically want this to be a, a, a group that grows and becomes mature and very well respected for your um, your research and your way of doing things in a safe way. You're bringing together people from all all voting types to. To, to get, so I sometimes feel that the voices for things thing is a is is actually an attempt to 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 make voters feel part of their identity as the seat. You know that um, it's that you can you see the seat as a as a community that you can get to know different aspects of it. I think it makes it easier for them to do that. I love that idea of planting the seed. I think the seed that's planted is that it doesn't always have to be political. And it's really can be about community that ends up, you know, the, the politics is what puts things into law, etc. But it's talking about things that may before have been a little bit, you know, inappropriate or not some not something that everybody feels comfortable talking about. And it's creating an environment like the, the kitchen table conversations that it's not uncomfortable. And we do mm. want to ha- hear what you have to say. So while I don't think it's necessarily the identity aspect of themselves, it's having an environment or an opportunity to have these conversations, not be judged, um, be curious, and make it, make it known that if there is something to be done that some people would like to know, how do I do that? Others don't necessarily want to be as active, but there's so many varying degrees of people um, comfortable talking about it, acting on it, or even just having the knowledge. Like Marie said, the, the recent forum was not only about building awareness of this inquiry, but it was for those that thought, I don't even know where to begin. What mm. do I even write? Who's managing it? Is building that doorway into those that don't even know how to start the process of participating in their own democracy is showing them and and helping them and teaching them and supporting what people might not feel comfortable saying. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's that's okay. Yeah. You know, you're not alone. Yeah, but yeah. we're gonna hear, we're gonna be here. So it's much more of of building building that bridge. Um, not to the people who already absolutely know where they stand on certain issues and who the candidate is that they are aligned with, but those that are on the fence or those that are too scared to say, I don't know, and I don't know how to do that. I don't know what you're talking about. But, yes, I'm very concerned about the where where my community is going to be three, five, seven years from now. Um, if you're talking about that, yes, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So it's it's much more of... Nonpartisan in a way that it's not always about politics, but yes, that's a very big piece of the puzzle. I, I thought that maybe in seats where the the independent was successful, that voices groups might sort of peter out. But by the sound of it, that that it, it's been the opposite. They've gone, oh, you know, let's let's keep playing this piano. Let let's. Is is that right in your in your case that that it, it's actually interest has increased since uh, the independent one? I think not necessarily. I wouldn't be able to tell you what 
the single source. I think it's many variables that play yeah. a part in more people getting involved. Like I said, COVID had a big, there's a lot of silver linings of COVID because yeah. people fell back in love with their community. Yeah. They got more involved. They had time to think about things like that. So Old people learnt small, the technology. Yeah, Zoom. <laughs> What's the Zoom yeah. thing? So I think many variables came into play and not, not, not by any means... Um, recognizing what a huge accomplishment it was for Dr. Sophie and the independents with this, with this, the outcomes of this election. But it was very much of again um, engaging the youth and getting them involved and having people understand that their vote very much and their voice does count. They le- they started leaning in more. Like myself coming to a KTC when they, when I was told it wasn't going to be political and just because you don't know all about politics and where the federal issues and the state issues start and begin, you're exactly the perfect person to come to this. Um, and then it lived up to my expectations. I told everybody. I said, you know, you're really going to enjoy this evening. I think you should come along. So many variables played into um, inclusion, involvement more awareness around their democracy and what their role does to it. So I can't point, and I don't think Marie would either, is point in any um, bucket of one, two, or three reasons why people are more involved, but um, we're just thrilled they are. But Mm. the work is never done. You know, 300 submissions everybody was super, super grateful for on the inquiry. Uh, You know, for me, I'd like to have seen 3,000. So Mm. for us... Yes, it's we're even more inspired to keep going because the response is if you do something in a way that people feel listened to and they want to participate, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to tell they're going to dine out on that. They're going to go to the rest dinner, you know, the next week and say it was a great experience. You should come along to the next one or you should get come to this next forum they're putting on. So we feel we have to continue to be doing this and making those forums and events available for the people that didn't get involved in the last few but heard about them. So, yeah, we're quite inspired um, for sure. You know, we're in answer to your question, we're not doing a report or KTCs for the next two years because it's yep. a massive undertaking. Indeed. <laughs> That's only one reason. The other reason is I think people now want to see what's going on now. Okay, we don't want to talk about our concerns or issues. We actually want to know what's going on in Parliament today. Yeah. And, and a lot's know, going on, isn't it? It's, a lot. It's a, it's a the, tremendous it, it, on all sorts of areas. It's a, mm. it's a, it's a big, it's a big reforming Parliament. I think. And like you said, because people are more involved, they're suddenly actually looking to understand more. Yeah. And they, they'd like to be kept up to to speed on what are they discussing? You know, just. You know, currently there's there's talk about PEP 11. We thought that was done in duster. We thought that was tucked away and we were yep. not drilling offshore. But it's back on the table again and people don't know that. So it's, you know, we're not, we're not resting on our laurels because we know the job is never done to build awareness and inclusivity and, participa- and participation in your democracy. So, yeah. Now, I heard you might be holding a like a town hall at some stage. Um, what's your what's your idea there? Is it to get sort of Sophie there and your group, or invite all comers, or to what, what's what's your concept there? Um, yes, so we are planning a community town hall meeting. We were hoping to be able to do it before the end of this year, but it looks like it'll be early next year. And the idea of that is to have. Um, 
Sophie Scomps on on the on the um, platform with anyone who wants to come along from the community, and 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 have it have two objectives. Firstly, for for Sophie to give her account of how her first six months as the member of McKellar has been, and also to have a genuine open forum where people can ask questions of her on issues that concern them. So again, we're playing that role of helping people to have their voices heard. Maybe she will be able to give them an answer to their question and maybe she will take it on notice. But And maybe just hearing that alerts her to the fact that you know, issue X is, is important in the community. So we would like to hold these um, regularly. What do I mean by regularly? I think at least every year, maybe yeah. more than that. But it's an opportunity for people to come and hear from their local member face to face and also to ask questions of her at the time. And I think this is where building uh, building our network and bringing in people who we haven't um, we didn't capture in our kitchen table conversations so different age groups yes. different suburbs within McKellar but also different political views as well so as Sheila referred to there are many people in McKellar who didn't vote for Sophie and it's very important for them to get to know their their new local MP. What about stuff like um you know, a specific issue like the stage three tax cuts. Like at the moment, Sally said no, Allegra said no, Kate Cheney said yes, um, uh, Kylie Tink said yes, and Zoe Daniel and Sophie Scomps are consulting their community. Do you see Voices for McKellar having a role in, in getting a feel on that and, and passing it on, that, that level of particularity? Sheila, um, we might have to work together on this. To be honest, Margot, we haven't talked about that specificity. You know, we've been driven up until now by the findings of our report and the key and the key outcomes and the key issues from that. Remembering that from the uh, report, one of the other key findings was that more than 70% of people, when they were asked the question, do you feel heard and listened to, 70% said no. They didn't feel listened to by their federal member. So we do feel that we have an obligation to provide those opportunities for people's voices to yeah. be heard yeah. through the more general thing. In terms of the specifics, I'm a little bit nervous about picking out those specifics. Mm. Yeah. My personal opinion is that for the time being, I think that's Sophie's responsibility yeah. to bring experts together and then give her own opinion in that forum about where she sits. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Sheila, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's a very fine balance. And I'm, I'm probably, I would completely agree with Marie that the community is very much um, involved and has a voice. But the, 
you know, how you get an equal representation. We have just as much of that challenge just in, in our KTCs yeah. and the surveys that we ran. So the challenge is making sure that you are hearing from everyone. So it, it is important and it would be an expectation that she would have very, you know, experienced and trusted advisors on the issue also supporting where um, where the best decision forward would be. But we would certainly be one, we would want to be one of the many channels that she accessed when she was doing that level of diligence on it. Yeah. So while she said she's going to consult, um, I'm sure there is a, I would, I would love to believe that there is a very nice um, formula of, of input that she would be seeking from a professional and experienced position on the topic, as well as um, those yes. that have a very quick and wide reach to the delegate, to, to the to the um to the electorate. So it it's a I would assume it would be a nice balance of that. And that we would yes love to be seen as one of those channels that she would seek out, but not with that level of specific specificity or um limited view of how to make that decision. So I trust that she's got a good little combination of that. So do you think I, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. We, do we see ourselves do we want to be a source of that? We want to be one of many trusted sources that um, we hope that she's le- leveraging. Do, do you think you've you've got over the hump of of you know people in the electorate and, and political parties thinking that you were a front? Do you do you think you've you've it's a constant, constant job. So that's yeah. why we love the opportunity that you've provided us today. Whenever we have an opportunity to to communicate, we don't necessarily seek out that um, that response in the media or with our press. We like to demonstrate it with actions. Yes. But when given an opportunity to be on platforms like this and other, you know, radio stations, etc., it always comes up, and we are thrilled to have the opportunity to speak to it. So, yes, there's been a lot of media bent on on you know blurring the lines, and we could go far down that rabbit hole fighting that and challenging that. But we really we pulled ourselves up and said we're not going to give this oxygen. We're going to just continue to demonstrate yeah. by actions and events. And conversations yeah. and c- direct communications with, you know, when when Jason was in office, we were constantly in communication demonstrating our nonpartisanship. So you can only control so much, but absolutely it's an ongoing educational process that we are truly nonpartisan. We are, we are grassroots. We are not-for-profit. We run on a very small budget and... Very appreciative of donations <laughs> to do and, that, and and you're and you're a long. You, this is a long term project. This, this, we this, haven't wavered. We have not yeah. wavered very much from our original charter, and yes. so yes, the consistency. So I have to is ask really this question: is, is Climate Two Hundred funding you in any way? <laughs> Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, Never it's has. A local, okay. Okay. Never has. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bet that at the next election all the big candidates will turn up at your forum because that would be great you, you're yeah, sort of proving so. it as you go aren't you all right and Margaret, I mean, we're going to get a bigger venue thank you Thanks yeah for us and know. i mean if jason stands <laughs> or some other liberal stands they're gonna want to come along aren't they yeah. and, and you're not gonna want to miss it you know yeah yeah and how does how does that feel for both of you being basically non-party political in in 
entering the the zone when there's attacks and you know bitchiness and challenges um how has that that journey been for you personally in you know incredibly exciting time for McKellar Oh, there's been some really heated conversations around dinner tables in my friend group that, you know, ask the same question. Well, you're obviously backed by, you know, Climate 200. I just, I, I, you have to bite your tongue. You have to remember the long, long game and, um, and just, yeah, stay steady, steady and stay, stay the course. So it's a very good question. Uh, I couldn't probably say that it's been easy, but we're really quite proud that when we get very heated on our committee meetings and very frustrated and want to really fight back. There's always one of us that pulls us back from the edge and says, remember, you know, we're not giving that oxygen. So it's a constant, it is a constant challenge. And do it's you do very that, frustrating. Do you do that Indi thing where you've all got to sign up to values of be your best self and be inclusive and listen and all that? Is it because... Uh, Watching that over the years, that sort of sign-up seems to sort of it it, it, it encourages self-regulation. Oh, self. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh no, that's Absolutely. not your best. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, listen, it takes a lot to ruffle Marie's feathers. I can tell you. So <laughs> it needs sometimes when 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 it does happen, we we need the whole committee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So, well, listen, we, 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 I think all of us are here because we are aligned on similar core values. Do we have it printed? Do we have it, you know, do we have a, do we have a handshake? No. Um, no. Do, do we, do we make sure that we, we do check in on and balancing out? We come together twice a year and we have a sit-in, it's a strategy, it's a whiteboarding session. It's what, what are we here for? So we keep the vision pretty focused and we keep our eye on the prize to the degree that yes you can absolutely get very easily distracted personally um emotionally but what are we here for let's come back together and make sure we do this enough that we are very clear and aligned what's what matters most to us and what we're doing within this organization so that helps so that's probably what we do um and we are uh, recently, we're spending a little bit more time with some of the other voices of groups to learn from them, share what's working for us, understand what's working for them, and that's another that's another layer of accountability and focus and staying the course and not letting it get under our skin. So, well, this idea of a, a nonpartisan voice is then a separate group to find a candidate. Um, it, it does seem to be a Sydney thing that probably pioneered Bazali and then Wentworth, McKellar and North Sydney have, have gone with that, whereas um, Victoria, uh, Goldstein and, and Kuyong went with the Voices for Indi where the, the group does the kitchen tables and then they go through a pre-selection to find a candidate. I mean, I, personally, I, I'm starting to think that the Sydney model is... Is, is more stable. It's hard to say because Voices for Indi are still there and have won four elections. But it, it, is, it is one way of resolving that tension and, and building that perception that, that Voices for McKellar um, accepts all comers no matter how you vote. And, and you know, it does, it does to me, it, it does, uh, that, that structure is consistent with, a long-term 
future for the voices. Um, you obviously came to the same conclusion, but um, it, it, it's, it's very it's a very different model, isn't it, in um, Sydney and Melbourne? From what I understand, it is, and I haven't had too much to do with. Uh, the other voices groups outside the few in Sydney that that Sheila referred to. I guess I, I can't give you an answer as to why that is. It's not because the coffee's better in one place than the other or any of those <laughs> things. But um... but is it because is it because that's how Zali did it? Like you know, there's, there's all these community groups, you know, sprung up. And then Wentworth Independent said, right, we're going to find you a candidate. I just wonder whether that, that sort of model sort of spread after her extraordinary success. Looking back at the conversations that we had in those first six months in our committee, it, it, it was, there was never a conversation, we have to do it the way this other voices yes, group yep. did it. It was a conversation that said, this is, you know, this is what these committee members are really looking for long term. Mm. And this is what the organisation, the association is, is set up to achieve. Mm. And the fact that they didn't match up. And, you know, and there were some of us who continued to say, we need to be an organisation that is able to hear a range of voices and they would not feel alienated if yeah. Yeah. by by us you know narrowing our focus down so mm. I don't think we were particularly following a model set by someone else it was clearly that we were in a a seat that was very comfortably um, a liberal seat and we needed to be a voice that was able to have dialogue with that sitting member and also be able to be approached and, and engage with, with everybody irrespective of their political views. Yeah. Well, um, I do get your newsletter as well as Twitter. And um, to me, the whole McKellar experience, you know, it was, it was not a winnable seat. Um, the McKellar report was brilliant. Um, everything sort of came together and um, I'd just like to say, wow, you guys, um, participatory democracy um, is, is a, a wonderful thing for many reasons, but the way you guys are doing it is it's depolarising and it's, it's a common ground search, which is like how valuable is that? How valuable is that, you know, in... in in terms of the state of democracies around the world yet. I, I honestly feel that, you know, we, we, we're, we're leading the world in our own way um, mm -hmm. in trying to save democracy. And, yes, we've got advantages with preferential and, all, and compulsory voting. But, um, yeah, McKellar has been a, 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 a real inspiration and I'd just like to say thanks. <laughs> and um, um, any, any, anything you want me to know, just let, uh, want me to... Um, publicise let me know and I'm going to tune into your um, forums because it it's just it's 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 got a really good feel the voices for, for McKellar and um, thank you so much for coming on today
Thanks so much, Thank Michael. Thank you. It's Absolute pleasure. pleasure. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this Snowfibs podcast. Until next time, goodbye.